Hi, this is Allie Adler, one of the writers for Chuck, and you're listening to Chuck versus the Podcast. Hi, my name is Graham Jones, but you can call me Gray. This is my show. It's about Chuck. It's filled with interviews, the latest news, crazy co-hosts, and spoilers that'll make your day. Oh, wait, wait, I need to go back. I host these TV nights. They used to be pretty boring, but everything changed when I found NBC's new show, Chuck. Pretty soon, my TV night got pretty crowded. Guys I didn't even know were showing up the door. Big important guys. Really scary, nasty, get killed for hosting them guys. Next thing I know, these super episodes are downloaded into my brain. Which means every moment of my life, I'm thinking about Chuck. ChuckTV.net sent their top people to protect me. That's Mel and Liz. They're pretty zany. They co-host with me now as a cover. So now I must welcome you to Chuck vs. the Podcast. The first and only podcast for NBC's Chuck. This is Mel. And this is Liz. Welcome to Chuck vs. the Podcast, episode 15. And actually, Gray is not here. He's busy working his fingers to the bone on a project, so it's Girls' Night. And Yay! Speaking of Girls' Night, later in the podcast, we will have Gray's interview with Chuck writer Allie Adler, and that's part two in our three-part writer series. We'll also be announcing the winner of our 3D contest in this episode, but first, let's head to the news roundup. We had uh, the 3D episode, which was Chuck versus the Third Dimension. Um, we had a, a great showing for that one, brought in 8.35 million viewers. Not too bad. That's actually a season high, so that's pretty cool. However, we lost some momentum when this week there was an episode, a little switcheroo. We had no new episode on February 9th because President Obama took to the airwaves to address the nation about his economic stimulus package. Uh, it was his first press conference as president. I, I think that's correct. And so we didn't have a new episode. And actually, just before we started recording this podcast, Tim Jones, the composer for Chuck, sent me a, a comment saying, what does Obama have against us? And I suspect that it's that the show is just too close to the truth. So he's trying to divert attention. That's my guess. Mm. Uh-huh. But anyway, as a result of that happening, um, Chuck versus the Best Friend was what was supposed to air on February 9th, and that has now been pushed back to February 23rd because Chuck versus the Suburbs will be airing on February 16th. It has a Valentine's theme, so I guess they decided they needed to keep it around Valentine's Day. So a little bit of moving around, but you know, we'll get all those episodes in. We do have lots of video previews and interviews for Chuck versus the Suburbs on ChuckTV.net. So there's there's lots of information out there. So feel free to stop by and take a look at that. And we have the music listing for the 3D episode, which is now available on ChuckTV.net. You head on over there. We've updated with all the songs that were included in the show. And you can download them from iTunes as well. That's right. And in other news, this past weekend, Josh Schwartz, Chris Fedak, and Yvonne Strahovski were at the New York Comic Con, and they took a lot of fan questions, and they showed a trailer that was specifically for Comic Con and had a lot of footage that hadn't been seen before, and um, they talked a little bit about the show. We've got just so, a couple of spoilers to share with you later on in the in the podcast from that. Um, not a whole lot was really that new, but there were a couple of things that we want to share with you. Once we get to the spoiler section. 
Getting on to our 3D contest, which we had this week, we asked you to submit photos of yourself in your 3D glasses for a chance to win an original composition for your voicemail answering or slash answering machine from Chuck composer Tim Jones. And we just want to thank you, everyone who entered. We had a lot of uh, really great uh, photos and emails. It was a lot of fun for us to go through. Yeah, we had a lot of fun looking at all of your pictures. There were some pretty creative entries. We did use a highly complex scoring system, which comprised each of us assigning points to an entry to determine the winner. So without further ado, our second runner-up is Gino, or more accurately, Gino's Pooch, who you will see in the enhanced AAC version. If you're listening to the podcast that way, you'll see his cute little dog with 3D glasses on. So cute. So cute. I like to know how he got those to stay on him. (laughs) It's a well-mannered dog. (laughs) And then we have our uh, first runner-up, who was Ivy. She sent us a photo of herself in her 3D glasses, surrounded by all her Chuck paraphernalia. And let me tell you, she's got a ton. That is an awesome setup, Ivy. Nice job. I don't know how she got a hold of so much Chuck stuff, but she did a great job of decorating her room with all that. So... We uh, we want to thank especially Gino and Ivy, who are runners-up. Uh, unfortunately, they, they don't actually win a prize. They just get some bragging rights. But our big winner is, drumroll please, Dylan. Dylan um, is sporting an awesome Charles Carmichael tux that he rented especially for this occasion. And we just loved that concept that he went to that much trouble. So well done, Dylan. And we'll be in touch to get you your prize. Uh, you earned it. That's right. So we'll move on and we'll talk about the actual 3D episode, Check versus the Third Dimension, that aired um, the day after the Super Bowl. Had a lot of hype during the Super Bowl. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it got me really excited for the show to air. I couldn't wait for it. Then I scrambled to get my 3D glasses because someone was supposed to send me some. I did. They came the next day. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> but that's okay. You know, I had my, my little guy, my son with my, my date for that night was sitting with me and we watched and um, I got to tell you, I expected a little more out of the 3D. Yeah. Yeah. Just a tad disappointed. It was, you know, it wasn't so much things coming out of the screen at us as it was depth of field. Yeah. I did think that was cool, but I didn't know that it was really worth all the hype, you know? Yeah. I think people liked it though. It was fun. It was different, but Next time. Yeah. Next time, next time, throw some more at us. <laughs> sure, exactly. Throw more knives at us or something. But yeah, knives or a shoe or something, you know. Yeah, a shoe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in Chuck's world, that could happen. Or Morgan. <laughs> okay, now that might make me run. But, you know, the episode itself I thought was good. It held up. It, it holds up well in 2D. It's not an episode that's just an episode for 3D's sake. There was a lot going on. It was worth. It's worth watching again in 2D if you don't really care about the 3D, or you know, watch it again in 3D. Whatever floats your boat. Yeah, it was because it was a good story. It was a good episode, I think. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I liked, uh, of course, Dom Monahan, who who he's he's just awesome. He's certainly come a long way from Hetty Wainthrop Mysteries. <laughs> yes, he has. He just is molded for that kind of a role. Uh, I think he should do more of those. I think people were afraid he was going to be typecast after Lord of the Rings, but now I think maybe he's going to be typecast as a, a rock and roll hedonist. 
Yeah, because I didn't watch Lost, but I understand that was kind of what his character was on Lost. In the beginning, he was a rock star. He had a, I think they were a one-hit wonder, really. You know, You All Everybody was their song. And he sang a couple of bars of it. You hear a little bit of it throughout, peppered throughout the show. But he was a heroin addict when the plane crashed. You know, he had tattoos all over and eyeliner and black nail polish, you know, as far as long as that lasted on the on the island. But so perhaps this role was kind of a nod, perhaps, but it was much more the the role as a rock star was much more fleshed out and it was played for humor rather than poignancy like it is on Lost or was on Lost instead of a nod, more of just a little bit of a wink. Yeah. I thought he was good. I loved him in this. It was he was a good fit. He's he seemed he and and Zachary Levi together, they were fun to watch. And he just gosh, you know, he just owned that role. Like when um Sarah's flirting with him to get him to come with them, she's like, Oh, I can handle this. You know, that whole interaction just cracked me up. It was like he had been with the cast from the beginning. And that's what I love when they cast these, you know, these name stars to guest when they just fit so naturally within the existing framework. That's what I love. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Wouldn't you love to have been on the set during the shooting of that episode? Oh my gosh, yes. I bet there wasn't a dull moment. Any episode really, but yeah. True. <laughs> One thing I didn't like was the contest, the buy more contest going on between Jeff and Jimmy. It was totally a guy thing. It just grossed me out. Yeah. You know, it's probably a good thing Gray's not here to defend himself. <laughs> Guys, it's just gross. Yeah. They do gross things. They're, yeah, exactly. Guys can be pretty gross. <laughs> we love you guys, but mm, we do. you're kind of scary. Keep it at the buy more. That's all. That's right. That's true. And I don't need to see it in 3D. No. No. Oh, my goodness. Jeff licking. Well, not even licking, but biting the urinal cake in 3D. I don't. Oh, I didn't my. really need that. Even my son gave out with a big, oh, no. <laughs> That's good, Liz. You're raising him well. Yeah. But it was a good episode, though. I liked it. I did, too. There was one caveat that I had, and, and several people on the checktv.net forum have brought it up as well, is that it seems like Casey and Sarah switched personalities. Mm -hmm. It was almost as if they were, well, it's almost like Sarah was back to pilot Sarah. Chuck was fussing around about needing a day off. And she says, why does he need a day off? And Casey's the one who's being sympathetic and explaining to her why he might need some time off. And I'm sitting here going, wait a second. Is there a personality transplant? Since when does Casey care what Chuck needs? That was a little different. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure what the point of that was. Oh, they're setting us up for something else. I don't know. I don't know. But, but you know, speaking of that, it was cute that Chuck fussed and fussed about he needs a he needs a day off he needs a day off and then when they go off to this mission without him he just can't let him do it <laughs> yeah so you kind of wonder does he you know as much as he whines and you know wants his life back does he would he miss the excitement that this new life has has been giving him would he really want to settle back into that old life the old Chuck way I don't think he would I think he's hooked I I don't think he fits that mold anymore mm -mm. our boy's growing. He's growing, you know, and it's because of these things that he's experiencing. So I don't think they can stuff him back at the buy more too easily anymore. No, I don't think so. I think his worldview has expanded to the point that he just won't be satisfied. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that really brief scene we had between Sarah and Chuck talking about what happened at the end of the versus the Santa Claus? 
I don't know. It was, I, I thought that they would do more with it. I wasn't disappointed, but I was, I guess I was just a little surprised. I thought I was a little surprised at how the only word that comes to my mind is flat, but that's really a bad word. It seemed a little bit off and I can't decide if that was supposed to be the entire resolution or if it's just kind of patched up for now. I, I just kind of felt like it, it could have, it, maybe it should have been a little bit more dramatic. Mm-hmm. Chuck was shocked by what he saw. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it was part of her job. She didn't really go out of her way to explain a whole lot. You know, all she kept on saying was, you know, I, I, I had to protect you. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's all that needs to be said. I that's don't... what I was going to say. Are they at the point in the relationship where she feels like that's all I should have to say and you should understand where I'm coming from? Yeah. Because, you know, that's how we women are. Yeah. Read our minds. Come on. <laughs> that's right. You should know. I shouldn't have to explain this. We'll see what happens in forthcoming episodes. Well, I think we pretty much talked that episode to death now. Um, Certainly more than we normally do. But, you know, Gray likes to just run us right through those because he's a man. He's like, okay, bullet point, bullet point. And Liz and I are thinking, but wait a second. What about, what about? So, haha, Gray's not here. Girls night, girls night. <laughs> Okay, well, we will go ahead and move on to our listener questions and comments. And first we have, and this is where I'm going to miss Gray because we've got Charles from France. And um, I'm I'm just going to go ahead and butcher where he's from. He says, hi, guys. I'm from Clermont-Ferrand, France. And I wanted to say your podcast is awesome. I really love it. And so do my friends. In Chuck versus the Third Dimension, Casey tells Sarah that Chuck's right and that he deserves a day off. It seems Casey's starting to care about Chuck and to show it. What do you guys think about it? I can't wait to listen to another episode of my favorite podcast, Charles. Well, thank you, Charles. We appreciate you listening and having, I don't know, having, forcing your friends, whichever, whatever works for you, works for us. Um, yeah, we talked about that a little bit earlier, that it's it was a personality switch. But if we take that a little bit further, what do you think, Liz? Do you think Casey's really starting to soften towards Chuck to the point that he's ready to sh- to show I don't know if he's actually softening towards him as much as just getting used to, you know, okay, Chuck is Chuck. I got to deal with him. We're going to be together. We're stuck together. Just kind of accepting, just more of acceptance and tolerance. Adapting for survival. Yeah. I don't, I mean, because I don't think, he still doesn't like Chuck. Chuck is just, Chuck is still a pain in his butt. I disagree. (laughs) I really, I think Chuck is still a pain in his butt, but I think he does grudgingly, if if this is not an oxymoron, grudgingly like Chuck and even respect him. Mm. Maybe, maybe. We'll see. I, I still think it's more of him just kind of conforming to the fact that Chuck is there. Yeah. And if you think about it from a an operative's point of view, you don't want someone on your mission who is totally stressed out, maybe not thinking straight, you know, so... Sure, if Chuck feels like he needs the day off, if he's to the point where he's stretched too thin and he's about to crack, then I don't want him on a mission with me. Yeah, absolutely. I think it just came out more sympathetic than we're used to hearing from Casey. You know, there weren't that many grunts in that episode. (laughs) No, there weren't. (laughs) (laughs) Although he was having a little bit too much fun with that, that, um, the gun, the, the dark gun. Yes. Oh, yeah, that, I think that replaced the grunts. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty funny. 
Well, next, we have our first voicemail listener comment, and that comes from Darth Razorback from the ChuckTV.net forum. So we'll go ahead and play that now. Uh, hey, gang. Uh, Darth Razorback here from the ChuckTV.net forums. Uh, first of all, let me just say that I'm really digging your show. Great and professional job by everyone. Uh, second, dealing with something we've talked about on the forums a lot lately, the uh, Chuck and Sarah relationship. It seems as if the writers are really hell-bent on keeping them apart and drawing up this will-they-won't-they angst for as long as the program exists. Uh, don't you think it's time for Josh to find a new angst paradigm and write something original into a show? And uh, it's not really like they're pulling in 50 million viewers every night, so it's not like he's going to lose someone if he tries something different. Uh, and I really think it is time for them to do something different and, you know, maybe put those kids together and, you know, make some of us happy. Thanks, and uh, may the angst be with you. So, okay, so is it time for Josh Schwartz to find a new angst paradigm and write something original? I think looking from what we he- have heard is coming in the second half of this season, I think that the the angst paradigm, as you are calling it, is going to take a back burner. It sounds like there is a, a new direction coming, a new focus for the show coming, and it's not the relationship between Chuck and Sarah. It's the relationship between Chuck and his father. It's the relationship between Fulcrum and the Intersect um, NSACIA. It's it's about a lot. Of, it's going to focus on a lot of different relationships, which is fine with me. I'm ready. Bring on, bring on all the other stuff. Absolutely. Next up, we have Sydney from Toronto. Our old pal, Sydney. Our old pal, Sydney. Sydney says, hello again. I was just listening to the most recent podcast, and I heard a listener email, which I thought left room for discussion. It was about which of the seasons was the best. Now, obviously, they are both fantastic, but I like how, unlike most shows, Chuck, character and show, seemed to be growing up and maturing. Not that he wasn't mature when it first started, but everything from the way he acts around Sarah to just handling situations. I was just watching season one, Chuck versus the Truth, and I realized how far Chuck and Sarah have come. Back then, they had to awkwardly force each other to kiss one another, and now they are acting like a real couple. I can't wait to see what else they have in store for us. Thank you, Sydney. Um, you know, it's funny that she says, she mentions that about how they, they're acting like a, a real couple now. How ironic is that? Mm-hmm. You know, I think Sydney has a good point. If you do go back and watch season one, it's dramatic how much the characters have changed. Um, you know, you can argue for better or for worse, but the when you're watching week to week and you're not really looking at the big picture, it's kind of hard to see it. But yeah, I would encourage those who are perhaps unhappy with the direction that the show has taken in certain respects to, to go back and watch some of season one and say, and just looking at it from the character perspective, you know, do a compare and contrast. That might be a project for our ChuckTV.net forum goers, you know, start a thread with the, doing a comparison, a side-by-side comparison of, of season one, Chuck, season two, Chuck, you know, season one, Sarah, season two, Sarah, Casey, Morgan, all of them. That's your homework folks. That's right. Do by next podcast. That's right. 
So next up, we have John from Burbank, California, and he says, hey, guys, love you guys' podcast. It's always filled with the Czech news that every fan would want to hear. I just wanted to get your thoughts on if Sarah knows about the termination order John Casey has to do once the new Intersect is online. Is Sarah naive to think that Chuck can leave freely once the new Intersect is up? I'd like to think that she should know something about it, considering she's been an agent for a while now. I'm sure this will be brought up towards the end of the season. An idea. Sarah finds out about the elimination orders, goes rogue, rescues Chuck, and now those two are on the run from the government, bringing them closer as a couple. Your guys' thoughts? Well, I don't know. Josh Schwartz, if you're listening, can you let us know if that's our season finale? Because <laughs> it certainly sounds plausible to me. <laughs> it was certainly made for an interesting season three. <laughs> well, he has said that assuming there is a season three, they're taking the show in a whole different direction. So yeah, that would definitely be it. It would. Chuck and Sarah on the run. With Casey chasing them? I don't know. Oh, I just hmm. can't see Casey being able to do it. Yeah, I think it's uh, at this point. Mm-mm. But, but do you think Sarah knows? I, I wondered about that. I don't think she knows. I have to believe that she doesn't. I think she's, as much as she's able to compartmentalize, I think that she and Chuck are close enough now that she would not be able to offer him freedom as a motivator like she did, especially in the first couple of episodes of the season. If she knew that the having the, the intersect back online would result in him being killed. I have to give her the benefit of the doubt there. Yeah, I don't I don't think she knows. However, they do seem to have put that aside for now. I think it's coming up again soon. Well, of course, the the uh, beta intersect was blown up. So the termination order, of course, is on hiatus. On hiatus? That's not the word. It's on a break. <laughs> it's on a break. <laughs> the termination order is, is not in effect. We want to thank you all for emailing us and sending in your thoughts and ideas and questions. And uh, keep them coming. When you do email us, be sure to mention the city and country where you're emailing from. And uh, we welcome pictures that you want to send in. If if you want them to appear on the podcast, just be sure that you get, if you're with somebody, be sure that you get their permission because this will be going, as I said, on the podcast. Unless it's your dog. <laughs> you can also leave an audio comment or question on Mel's voicemail at 310-594-3755. And, you know, if you're planning to do that um, anytime between the hours of 8 and 5 Central Time, you might just drop me a quick note at mel at checktv.net that you're about to do that so that I don't answer the phone like I did when Darth Razorback called and, you know, get him all flustered, so... <laughs> Apologies again about that. I had just been on the phone with Liz and I thought she was calling me. So calling me back. But so uh, but you might just drop me a quick note if you're going to be calling again between eight and five central. So unless you want to talk to me, that's fine, too. So next up, we have our um, Gray's interview with Allison Adler, who, of course, is a writer and executive producer on Chuck. And this is part two of our three part writers series. So let's get right into it. This is great with Chuck versus the podcast, and I'm here with Allie Adler, one of the writers from Chuck. How are you doing today? I'm very happy to be here with you, Gray. 
Well, we're so excited that you could take the time to speak with us. I, I know that you have a very busy schedule and you're doing great work. <laughs> well, thank you very much on behalf of all the writers. Yeah. This is actually part two of our writer series. We spoke with Phil Klemmer and uh, we'll be talking with Scott Rosenbaum as well. Oh, Skeeter. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. So it's uh, going to be a real treat for the fans. Oh, great. Yeah. So um, we're going to wind way back and ask you about when did you first know that you wanted to be a writer? It was as a result of doing very poorly in math. In uh, school, I would bring home a bunch of C's, and my parents decided that I wouldn't be allowed to watch television. So I saved my money and bought this like crazy radio that had TV channels on it. Mm-hmm. So I would listen to the TV shows and sort of be forced to like block the scenes in my head. Uh-huh. It helped me, ultimately. Uh, their punishment really made me a, a rich and powerful person in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. That sounds like me with my iPod. <laughs> Sort of a version of that, yeah, the early version of the iPod. Mm-hmm. And so uh, how did you get started? Did, did you write things in school? Did you enter anything in contests? I went to UCLA in creative writing, and it was a short story program, and I wrote their short stories dutifully and then realized I couldn't get paid for them very much. So I wrote uh, Teleplay. I got it to an agent, and it actually is very like a easy version of Hollywood, at least at the beginning, and uh, I got it to an agent who got it to uh, one of the producers at 90210, and that was my first job. Wow. So that was right out of school? Yeah, weird. Bizarrely so, yeah. So I guess that was your first produced credit, and you, you got an agent from that? Yeah. And then were you able to follow up with any other work with 90210? Yeah, I, I was on 90210 for a while, and then I sort of, it's interesting with Chuck, I sort of a hybrid of comedy and drama, and, and what I found in my career is I, I, I've done a lot of half-hour situation comedy or animated family guy and things like that but i really found the sweet spot with chuck because it's so much of emotions and comedy you know uh, joined together so it's i did a lot of one hour work and half hour work and i sort of found my way to this which has been just a wonderful perfect experience for me mm-hmm. I, w- I was going to say because you, you've got experience in a ton of different things For a long time, I actually did a lot of situation comedy, um, Just Shoot Me and Still Standing and, and stuff like that, and Family Guy, which is a great experience. And I also did, like, you know, very straight one-hour dramas like Commander-in-Chief and Life as We Know It. And so Chuck is a nice hybrid. Mm-hmm. And so you've got a pretty good resume now. What would you say were some of the biggest lessons that you learned along the way? I think probably the biggest, I don't know if it's a lesson, but it's just sort of like right messy, right where you live, right where your real experience. I know it's a terrible thing is right what you know, but it's really true. And not that I know how to be a spy, but, you know, you can certainly pretend to know and the natural emotions and situations that come off of that. Mm -hmm. I know definitely the things that keep us coming back to Chuck are the endearing moments and the real moments when somebody has mustard on their shirt or the little interplay between Chuck and Morgan, the sister relationship with Ellie. Those are definitely the things that draw us in and and keep us coming back. Yeah, it's the things we we all know. I mean, if the intersect landed in any one of our heads, I'm sure that we would find some of these situations for ourselves. So Mm -hmm. that's sort of where we come from. Yeah. So can you tell us a story about how you got involved with Chuck? Did you come in in the pilot or was it later on? Well, the pilot was Josh Schwartz and Chris Fedak, and and that was their baby. And then I was excited to come in uh, around the first episode, I guess it was after the pilot, uh, versus the helicopter. We were brought in, the staff was brought in, and I've been fortunate to be with the show since then. And it's been an incredible experience. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And so what did you think about the pilot when you first saw it? You read the pilot? Yeah, I read I read the pilot, and I, I had had a meeting with Warner Brothers and sort of snuck a, a viewing of it. I was very excited about it, and it was an amazing pilot. And so I had met with uh, McGee's company and uh, Peter Johnson, and they wanted to work with me on something, and I was very excited about Chuck. And I, it, it's funny because I didn't even – I'd been offered another job, and then I didn't even have a chance to meet with Josh Schwartz or Chris Fedak, and sort of like, I guess – they ended up hearing that I was interested in the project, and I ended up getting a job offer from Chuck and came to work the first day having not met Josh or Chris. So it was sort of interesting, but um, wow. very, very fortunate. Yeah, it was really, it was a great, it ended up being a great match, and it was sort of like a blind date. Mm-hmm. What was your first impression when you walked in the room? Well, I mean, Josh is obviously, he has his own legend, and he lived up to all of that, and it was it was very exciting, and Chris meeting him, and he's such a, a brilliant mind, and when we, when we walked into our temporary office space the first day, there was this giant sketch on the uh, driver race board of the intersect. I guess they had just finished the pilot and someone had come in to sort of pitch the idea of how the intersect would look, the mm-hmm. original Bryce Larkin blown up intersect, and it was like drawn in this dry race. It was so like such an ephemeral drawing and it was wow. so incredible. And I thought, wow, this is, this is going to be quite a journey. It was very cool. Mm-hmm. When I was talking with Phil, he said that between season one and season two, that you guys had weeks to hash out and riff on ideas on where you wanted to take season two. But how much time did you guys have in the first season to do that kind of prep? Well, I, I guess n- not that much less, but we had a greater sense of what we wanted to achieve and what we did well the first season. I think it was easier to sort of like find our sweet spot for the second season. So. It was a lot of sort of trial and error and finding out what worked for our characters and what worked for, you know, our actors. And I, I think that season two maybe had the same kind of prep period, but we had a, a better idea of what we wanted. Mm-hmm. Do you watch the episodes when they air? I love the show. I mean, I'm, I'm blessed with being both a fan and, you know, part of the production. And I really like the show. I don't think there's anything uh, else like it on TV. And it's great to be able to take it as far as we want comedy-wise and also have that uh, drama and action and love. It's just, I, again, there's just nothing like it, uh, that kind of hybrid to me. So it's, I'm a big fan. I totally agree. I wouldn't be running the podcast if, <laughs> if that wasn't true. <laughs> so how much does it inform your process when you actually see things on screen? Well, again, you know, I think we, we know what works and what doesn't work. And, you know, as you mentioned, all those sort of slice of life things and then exacerbated by the spy world is really, you know, where we start from and what would be weird if it happened to us falling into our heads and where we could go from there and what's the funniest situation, what's the most dramatic and what's the most tension filled. And so that helps us figure out the stories. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the staff, it seems like everybody comes at it with a little bit of a specialty, or at least the shows that they're coming off of. You've got Scott Rosenbaum coming from The Shield. You've got mm-hmm. Phil coming from Veronica Mars. And it seems like, look, at least looking at resumes, that you've probably got a little more comedy experience. Would you say that comedy is one of the bigger things that you bring to the table? That would be nice if someone said that about me. I hope so. But what I really like to do is put that emotional spin on things and getting to understand the rich relationships between Chuck and Sarah or, you know, Ellie and even John Casey starting to open up this year. I just really like to sort of unfold the next layer of uh, emotions. And yeah, I love that the show is funny. And I think I would like to think that that I have more comedy experience, but I think everyone on staff is tremendously talented in comedy. It's like a, a basketball team where we we all do the same thing. Yeah. Well, and you've got a super talented cast as well. Oh, yeah. We're tremendously lucky. And the crew is amazing, and camera people, and the way it looks. I mean, the music, all of it just sort of comes together really nicely. We're very fortunate. Mm-hmm. 
Now, one huge part of Chuck is the tone. Mm -hmm. I would say even more so than many, many other shows. And and it's a very different show than pretty much anything else that's on the air right now. And yet it it really seems like episode to episode, even though they're written by different writers, the tone is just rock solid. How do you ensure that? What can you comment about that? Well, I mean, we do a lot of discussions in the room, like talking about the story and sort of, you know, we break all the stories out as a group of writers and we get sort of, you know, where we're starting, where we're headed as a group. So I think when we go off to write them individually, it really is very clear to us where we're going. Mm-hmm. And you've personally written three episodes, Chuck versus the Wookiee, Chuck versus the Truth, and Chuck versus the Cougars, in addition, obviously, to ones that are probably upcoming this season. Exactly. There's a, there's one coming up, or it might have aired already, uh, Chuck in 3D mm-hmm. versus the Third Dimension. And then the one immediately following that is Chuck versus the Best Friend, which I wrote. And then there's uh, another one called Chuck versus the Broken Heart. And then I, I'm very uh, honored to have been asked by Chris Fedak and Josh Hortz to co-write the finale with Chris Fedak, uh, which I think is as yet untitled, but wouldn't want to give anything away. So yeah. check versus the last episode of season two. <laughs> yeah, cool. So out of all of those, what was your favorite to write or do you have any favorite scenes in those episodes? Well, as I said, I'm a sucker for romance. I really like Chuck versus the truth and that whole um, the poison that created Chuck and Sarah to speak the truth. I had a, a lot of fun with that. And the end scene where Chuck stops Sarah from drinking the antidote and asks her the truth. And mm-hmm. she looks at him, you know, dead in the eye and says, you know, she doesn't care about him. But of course, she's taken anti-truth serum yeah. uh, at the Academy. So, yeah, I mean, that that was a really good time. But I, I love all of them for different reasons. There's a lot of fun coming up with Best Friend and Broken Heart. And just in general, the season this year, I think, is really, really strong. There's a lot of incredible episodes coming up in the dynamic with Sarah and Chuck is explored to whatever satisfying level. There's something for everyone and action and romance and certainly comedy. And it's just going to be a really cool season. Yeah, it seems like it's following a trend going higher and higher and higher. (laughs) Hopefully we get a lot of new viewers with this 3D episode. That'd be great. Yeah. Was there anything that you loved that ended up being cut? I don't know how much I loved it. I mean, I was kind of, um, I think ultimately it was it was better for it. But in, in Versus the Truth, there was Harry Tang and his demise was, so we found out the actor was going to be on Dexter for the season. So we had to sort of quickly come up with a reason for him to depart. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a much longer uh, backstory of how that whole discovery happened that ended up on the cutting room floor. But I think the episode ended up being uh, solid anyway. Oh, yeah. I do need to go into some fan questions. Oh, great. These are ones that have actually been submitted by fans either on chucktv.net or else right to the podcast. So one fan asks, how long does it take to write one episode from idea to final script? Well, that depends largely on how much fooling around we do in the writer's room because Mm -hmm. we can go off on long tangents for a very, very long time. But if we lined up the hours of work in a row, I bet it wouldn't be that long. We, We generally take a couple weeks to sort of break a story, which means to figure out what the story is from beginning to end act to act and scene to scene with both the funny story at the buy more and the more action oriented emotional story and then an individual writer will go off and write an outline that takes a few days and then um, once you know it's been approved and people commented on it and, and Josh and Chris and the other executive producers then you'll generally have about seven days, eight days to go write a script and, you know, it'll it'll come back in and go through various notes and, and different forms. So all in all, I, I, I couldn't even tell you, you know, a mm-hmm. month long process, but if you just, you know, in terms of actually writing a draft, not that long. 
Mm-hmm. And who comes up with the raw ideas? Well, we as a as a writing staff sort of generate the ideas, and we all talk about the general shape of the season, either in pre-production or sort of when we come up with different arcs for, you know, if there's a, a, a romantic interest for Chuck or for Sarah or if it's them or whatever the arc is, and we'll sort of plan it out in general, and then when we get into the more individual episodes, we'll just sit down and figure it out as a, a writing staff. Mm-hmm. I know you can't give us specific spoilers, but uh, one fan asks, what can we expect in the second half of season two? Well, I mean, I, I think there's some surprises. I wish I, I wish I could say what they are, but, you know, just when you think everything's status quo with Chuck, it's not. And it's very exciting. I really, I wish I could tell you that seems like the most fun. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there's all those big questions. Does Chuck want to be doing this life? Will Ellie and Austin get married? What will happen with Chuck and Sarah? And hopefully we provide answers for all those things. Mm-hmm. You answered this one already, but one fan uh, wanted to know about any particular episodes that you've written, if if you can talk about them at all. And you can even talk about the process, maybe, so you're not speaking about specific details. Well, I mean, I, I think we already this leaked out from casting, but in uh, Chuck versus the Broken Heart, Trisha Helfer, who's on Battlestar, mm-hmm. is going to come in and sort of watch over Sarah and Chuck, and sort of, uh, she's going to evaluate their dynamic and see if maybe that's appropriate or inappropriate, and uh, there's some exciting stuff that happens as a result of that, and potentially uh, some sort of titillation between her and uh, Casey. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know that I can tell more than that, but um, it's the, uh, I really enjoyed that episode because it runs through Awesome's bachelor party, which is um, a lot of fun. Oh, cool. I can imagine. <laughs> One fan writes, you are listed as a co-executive producer on the show. What does this title mean, and do you have extra responsibilities because of that title? Well, the answer is it's a fancy, fancy way of saying writer, but the producer part is Chris and Josh are very nice in that, and it's not been my experience in all the shows I've worked on, but in this show in particular, they're very nice about sort of letting the writer in on the producer process, which is, you know, casting and editing and being on the set and working with the actors and the directors and sort of sharing what our vision of the show is. And it's, I I think when you asked earlier about tone, I think that's a really helpful part of it. So being a co-executive producer is getting your hands dirty in all areas, and I think that's why the shows end up as rich as they do and as and that each one of our writers gets to sort of birth their babies to fruition. Mm-hmm. Well, that actually leads into this fan's next question. They want to know how, once you've broken the episodes, how you assign the episodes to different writers. Well, you, you mentioned, you know, how each person has different strengths, it seems, just based on past credits. And I think everyone is very well-rounded on this stuff. But I, mean, I think sometimes there's, you know, if there's a more action-oriented episode, it will go to one writer or another. Mm-hmm. And a more romantic one would go to one writer or another, or a more humorous one. I, I mean, I do think there's, in general... Maybe they're assigned like that, but by and large, I think any one of our writers could write any one of these episodes. They're a very well-rounded bunch. Mm-hmm. Each episode really tends to have a little bit of everything, too. That, yeah. Each episode has a bit of the romance, a bit of the comedy, a bit of the action. You don't really have one Czech episode that's all romance and another Czech <laughs> yeah. episode that's all action. If you're not action. laughing and crying and scared, then we haven't properly done our job. Yeah, that's true. Speaking about fan reactions, did you expect how popular the show was going to be? I think that, well, I hope that 
people like the show, and I hope that they all tell two friends and they tell ten friends because it's just such been such a great experience to, you know, work on something that I'm genuinely proud of and just think is quite original and exceptional. Mm-hmm. In terms of this season, especially with the Jill arc, has the fan reaction surprised you at all? We've seen a lot of heat on the forums. There are a lot of people who didn't like what was happening when, the, when Jill came into the picture. In terms of what? In terms of her as a romantic interest for Chuck? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, this intersect has been thrust in his head, and, you know, we all have histories. Sarah has a history, too, and so whatever feelings they may have or may not have together, they all have a past. Mm -hmm. So you can't just sort of erase your history, and I think that more will be revealed about Jill and Sarah. That's the cool thing about this premise is that everyone has this rich history. You don't really know where anyone's been or where they're going. Mm Mm-hmm. I know that there are some show creators that develop long, long arcs and histories for the characters that they sort of put into a Bible and they introduce the writers and that's that. Uh In Chuck, how much of the backstories are you able to sort of retroactively create? I mean, I think Chris and Josh had a good idea of what the mythology of the characters were, but we're able to expound on that with, like, uh, last year's 106 stamp the versus alma mater. Mm-hmm. And, like, at, every time we're, we're able to go backwards, like in versus the Cougars, mm-hmm. that was a lot of fun to sort of create that past for Sarah. And I think, you know, I hope that in season three we'll be able to explore even more. You know, we got in 210 when her dad came back. Mm-hmm. You know, we get to know a little bit more about each character, and we definitely have our input into where they've been and how that affects them now. Mm-hmm. Is there a lot that's already been mapped out that we won't necessarily see, or do you kind of create it as you need it? Again, Chris and Josh had sort of a knowledge of where they'd been, but we are, you know, we, the writing staff, are helping to fill in the other parts about the specifics. And in this season, going up to uh, the last episode this year, if there's questions, hopefully we'll get answers. Mm-hmm. In particular, you wrote some important Chuck and Sarah episodes, and in two of them, we learned something new about Sarah. In those cases, uh, if you can remember, I'm speaking about the ones that have aired already, obviously. Uh Were those things that came up out of the original mythology, or or were those new things that that came up? Well, I think the the writing staff, and and I was certainly excited to tell a story about what happens to, like in Versus the Cougars, when she goes back to high school. I think it was interesting to see what happens to what we perceive Sarah might be from back then versus who she was and what motivates her and whether she falls. I think Casey certainly followed a more traditional path to get to where he is. And I think Sarah's journey there was much more unique with her sort of paper moon, La Femme Nikita, mm-hmm. grifter past. And it's been really interesting to see the reaction about that. And uh, it's been cool for us to figure that out. Yeah, that was a very, very strong episode. And we always love seeing Agent Carmichael. <laughs> well, he's our favorite. Yeah. We can't wait for the rest of the season. It's just great to watch Chuck every Monday night. Well, we're really excited that you guys are all watching, and we're having an amazing time helping to make these shows. Yeah, and the fans are obviously liking it. I mentioned in an email to you, but we're actually the the number one TV show podcast in the world right now. I got myself a subscription on uh, iTunes, so I'm very excited about uh, being a member. <laughs> yeah. So if that's any indication, there's there's a lot of people out there who, who not only love Chuck, but also are uh, are loving to spread the word. Well, cool. Thank you so much for being interested and being a fan. You're very welcome. Do you have any projects or charities that we could promote for you? 
We do work with an organization called the Young Storytellers Foundation, mm-hmm. and that's just providing writing to public schools here in Los Angeles County. And we work with young kids and help them create narratives. If you want, if you want to talk about that, it's very cool, the Young Storytellers Foundation. But, you know, we're just all trying to make creative things in kids. Mm-hmm. Where would our listeners find out about that? Well, uh, they could go to youngstorytellers.com mm-hmm. and get involved in whatever way they want. That sounds very exciting. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much, Gray. Thank you for taking the time and enjoy the rest of your day and also enjoy the rest of the season. And, and now, obviously, we don't know about a season three renewal, but when would you guys be back? Hopefully in September, but so we, we won't hear about that till probably about March or uh, April. Great. Well, we all have our fingers crossed. Well, us too. Thank you, and yeah. uh, thank you for watching. Great. Thanks a lot. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, that fit really nicely with our girls' night theme, didn't it? I thought so. It's so nice of her and everyone we've talked to so far to just take the time out to chat with us and let the fans know what it's like to create the show that we like so much. Yeah. Well, that's our podcast for this time. We are coming to the part in our in our podcast where we um, go into our spoiler section. So we're offering you the opportunity to turn off, shut down, unplug, whatever you need to do. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Don't forget to vote and leave comments on podcastalley.com and iTunes. And again, email us with your questions or leave us a voicemail. And congratulations again to Dylan, who's the winner of our 3D contest. So we just wanted to say we'll see you next time, and a shout-out to Vernon and the boys. Bye-bye. All right, we're back with our spoilers here. Um, we just have a couple this time, but there's there's some good stuff here. So we had a little bit of info come out of the New York Comic Con with Josh Schwartz, Chris Fedak, and Ivan Strahovski. Again, most of it was stuff we already knew, but there were a couple. There was a one little tidbit in particular that had me just squealing with glee. Uh, yeah, and that had to be the uh, upcoming arc with Chevy Chase and Scott Bakula. Hmm. And Arnold Vosloo. Whee! He's the mummy. The mummy returns. <laughs> oh, you're funny. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. So what's this going to be called? Uh, Chuck versus the mummy? Chuck versus Emil Tap? funny would that be if it was Chuck versus the mummy? I would die. <sighs> Arnold, you will forever be known as Emil Tap. Yeah. I just, when I heard that from the panel... I literally squealed because I'm a huge, I don't know why I, it's unexplainable. Quite frankly, I don't, I don't understand it myself, but I absolutely love the mummy and the mummy returns. I have them on DVD. They're on my DVR that I've had for less than two months. And I watch them every time I see them on TV. I can't yeah. help it. I just love those. Movies. They, they're so much fun. And, and he's wonderful. Of course. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He's, the best mummy I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him. He is, we don't know a whole lot about the role that he's playing, but we are speculating from a couple of comments that were let slip at the Comic-Con that he will be a member, um, a, a Fulcrum agent or maybe head of Fulcrum. He's somehow involved with Fulcrum. 
And his storyline intersects with the Chevy Chase and Scott Bakula storyline that's coming up towards the end of the season. So it'll be interesting to see how that all goes down. Ooh, maybe he'll be a bad guy. I think that he is, but they throw curveballs at us all the time. So yeah, let's have to wait and see. You know, it's good to see him on TV again, um, as far as I know. I mean, he's been here and there in, in various shows. He was on 24 for um, for a while and um, Shark. He's been on a couple of things, but he was also on a short-lived series back in 2003 that I watched. I actually started watching, and then they pulled the plug on it, and I was really mad. What was it <laughs> called? It was called Veritas, The Quest. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and I had really gotten into that show because I, I liked it. I thought it was fun, and I he was great in it, and he was he was funny. I mean, he wasn't meant to be funny, but he had the best lines. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited about seeing him on Chuck of all places. Yay. Sounds like that's, I didn't realize that he had, a, you know, a funny bone really. Yeah. Some, you know, some comic timing. So it sounds like he's going to be a good fit for the show. You know, he comes out with these lines and then he gives that look, you know, out of the, that, out of the side of his eyes, you know, where you're like. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway, I'm sure it's going to be delightful. I'm so excited. Yeah. So, and then moving into, we have the official synopsis for Chuck versus the Beefcake. Oh, how apropos. <laughs> and that is episode 215, which is currently scheduled to air on March 2nd, provided, you know, President Obama doesn't interrupt us again. But the synopsis reads, Chuck gets territorial when Sarah gets close to an attractive agent. Chuck breaks up with Sarah after Ellie's urging, but jealousy strikes when Sarah must seduce a handsome agent in order to retrieve fulcrum intelligence. Morgan deals with his mother's relationship with Big Mike by crashing at Chuck's apartment, much to Ellie and Austin's chagrin. Meanwhile, Jeff and Lester talk their way into hiring the new Bymore employee, but decide to search for the Bymore babe. The Bymore babe. Uh-huh. And from what I understand, there are some swimsuit models that have been cast, like the Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition. Oh, thing. <laughs> have been cast for this quest from Jeff and Lester. So they should be pretty happy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Who's the beefcake? The beefcake is played by, appropriately enough, Jonathan Cake, who was on Six Degrees previously. And he'll be on board for a multi-episode arc. But I'm hearing conflicting reports, whether it's two or three episodes. But I guess any more than one is multi-episode. But um, he's an MI6 agent by the name of Cole Barker. And, um, oh, here's the info on the Sports Illustrated swimsuit cover girl Brooklyn Decker will guest star in uh, this episode as one of the uh, buy more booth babes that they're trying to recruit. Ah, so along with several other um, swimsuit models. So this is going to be a episode for the gentleman? Yeah, this is not a girl's night episode. Yeah, I don't think. Well, I don't know. We do get beefcake. Well, that's true. So now a lot of people are going to be thinking that this is the one they should have put in 3D. (laughs) (laughs) That could very well be. Okay. Well, that wraps up the spoilers that we have for this time. So we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. We want to thank everybody for listening and hope that Gray gets his project done quickly so he can join us again next time. Um, In the meantime, Happy Chuck watching, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.